And all the time. It's so good. So the subject this morning, I want to talk to you about, the subject is going to be called Closer. Come on, say that with me. Closer. And really we're going to talk about pursuing and intimacy with God. I know last week we talked about, I talked about the importance of prayer and fasting. And primarily I talked about two div- er- different areas why fasting is important for a believer. And the first of it, the first of it is that it's, it's for, for, for pursuing a closer relationship with God. And that is not necessarily that fa- fasting changes anything, uh, changes God. God is God. And God is the ever constant. Everything else around us will change and will move. Even, even the galaxy as we know it says, it says, it will, we already know it changes. And the Bible says it will change. But God is the forever constant. So by fasting we're not changing God, but what it does is that it changes us. It makes us more sensitive. Removing distractions and being focused and being intentional in seeking God. Okay, so I thought I would this morning kind of pursue that line together. The second thought we talked about was about breaking strongholds. And that's another topic for another day. Today I want to kind of zero in on pursuing that closer relationship, that intimacy with God. Because that's one thing all of us can actually seek in 2018. All of us, no matter where you are, maybe you started just following God this year. And maybe you've been a believer for a long time. It doesn't matter. All of us. I can get closer. How many would say, I could get closer? I could get closer. You know, it's like, man, I got, I, I got a lot of room. Some of you are this close, and some of you are like right here. But <laughs> all of us can get closer to God. And, it, it, and it's the one thing, one investment that we can do in our lives that can change everything for us. And I wanted to look at the life of uh, Daniel a little bit. Because Daniel, Daniel was a guy who had a very unusual relationship with God. Yeah, one of the things uh, with Daniel, you find that um, uh, well, one of the most unusual stories, and that's not what we're going to read today. I'm going to read chapter 1, so it'll be easier. Find Daniel, chapter 1 is there, we're going to read. But just, um, Daniel was given a special gift that, as it relates to, things, to visions and dreams. God showed him all sorts of vision. He was able to interpret many dreams throughout his, uh, his life. And, 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 and in fact, no one single prophet gave us more about the end times. And a lot of stuff that's already been fulfilled and still being fulfilled historically than Daniel. You cannot complete the book of Revelation or even understand anything concerning the last days unless you understand the prophecies that Daniel gave. Now, one of the most fascinating experiences that Daniel had in his career, in his call, in his walk was one time when he was a captive in Babylon. And, uh, and the king had this obscure dream that scared the living dialects out of him. And he, he goes, he called every magician and uh, witches and everybody that seems to be connected to the spiritual world. And he came and he asked all of them and says, hey, I want you guys to tell me what I dreamt. He didn't tell them the dream. He wanted them to figure out and tell him the dream. Because he was like, I'm tired of people just trying to kind of manipulate me and tell me things. I want to know the truth here. And you know what they said? That there is no one on earth that can do what you're asking of us to do. O king, live forever. And he got mad and decided to not kill everybody that has any kind of title of a council. Or, 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 he's going to behead all of them. Daniel was grouped with those people. <laughs> And he says, hey, I didn't know about this. Give me some time. Let me just go 
And he only asked for time to go and pray. And he would go and pray. And guess what? God would not only show him the dream, he would give him the interpretation. He would come to King Nebuchadnezzar and say, Nebuchadnezzar, let me tell you your dream. Here's what. You saw this in your dream. And, da, da, da. and, he went. and Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face before God and says, Daniel, surely there's a God in heaven. This is a pagan king, ruthless man. But God, the God of Daniel is a God that you and I were singing and worshiping and attempting to reach with our hearts today. Daniel did not ask for a hundred years of prayer. Then say, why don't you give me just a moment, let me go pray. Why did his prayer work in an instant and reveal something that was already proclaimed to be impossible for any human being to do? It's not because Daniel's uh, prayer, it's not because of the prayer he prayed that day. It's because of the relationship that he had along the way. So he can go back and say, Father, could you show me this? It wasn't the first time he was actually praying. He already knew he's gone. You see where I'm going? And, and, and I want to encourage you this morning. All of us, uh, oftentimes, I hope that for you, I know for me, every time there's a new year, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, I'm, I'm optimistic, I'm believing that this year will be better than the last. How many at least have that positive mindset? At least it's like, man, last year could have been hell on earth for me, but I know my God is good. I know my future is better, you know. Uh, my, my past does not define me. I, if I'm trusting in the Lord, I can always move forward. I'm not going to stand still. I'm not going to move backwards. I'm moving forward. I'm believing God for great things. And there are so many possibilities. There are so many things. Uh, in fact, the Bible says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and it's never even entered into the hearts of men the plans that God has for those who love him. Do we have any people that love the Lord this morning? In this house, amen? Come on, give him praise in the house if you love him, amen? Amen. <clears throat> but the biggest investment you can make in your life is to get closer to him. Because when you get closer to him, as your year goes out, going through your career, going through your business, going through college or school, whatever the case may be, maybe raising your kids and your family. As you're going through life, you will have moments like Daniel this year. You'll have moments that call for action. You'll have moments that sometimes mean life and death. It is Daniel, let me remind you in chapter 9, that he said that those who know they are God, they are strong. And they shall do mighty exploit. God, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. So, I couldn't think of a, uh, any other way to paraphrase this. So, we're going to read the Bible. So, sit back, relax. Daniel chapter 1, the whole thing. Come on, say the whole thing. All right, let's read along. So, during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over the king Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and he placed them in the treasures of his gods, his fake gods, idol gods, gods made in, by human hands. Then the king ordered Aspenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's, of Judah's royal family and the, normal, and the noble families who had, brought to Babylon, who had been brought to Babylonia as captives. 
And then he said, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure that they are well-versed in every branch of learning and gifted with knowledge and good judgment. And that they are suited to serve in the royal palace. Now I want you to train this young man in the language and the literature of Babylon. So the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They're going to eat what I'm eating. If I want some advisors, I want some people that are not malnourished, but they are healthy. Give you as they're thinking. They were to be trained for three years. And then they would enter into the royal service. Think of the apprentice, right? But it's a very, very long apprentice. When they're done, it's like, you're either hired or you're fired, right? So Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men who were chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff remained, uh, renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. And Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to them by the king. So he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, man, I'm afraid of the Lord my king who has ordered you to eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other young youth your age, I'm afraid that the king will have me beheaded. He actually was a ruthless man. His people that work for him figured that out. He's probably had seen it a time or two, right? So Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He said, please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. And at the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then you can make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and the three friends and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished. And the young men who had been eating their food assigned to by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of food and wine provided for others. Now let me ask you this. How did he even know? I don't think they had a major those days of nutrition and all those things that we figured out. But somehow by divine knowledge, he knew what the proper food was to eat. And they looked better. Because the king's intention was not to mess with them. The king wanted them to be the best, the brightest, and everything. So the food that he was having, all the exotic food that he was having, he thought this will make this young man better. His intention was not to destroy them. He wanted them to be the best that they could be. He wanted real good people around him. So God gave these young, four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to the king Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked to with, with, with them. And no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. I guess they were told, you are hired. When the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable 
than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. A pretty remarkable story, and that starts the book of Daniel. I think of it, I think of it like, I don't know, if it was some kind of an internship program or some kind of a higher education program that they get this young man that they've selected to be very well-versed. They're smart, obviously, because that was the criteria. They have been tested to see that they can learn a lot. And in the middle of all that, number of young men, these four stand out. They do so well. And I don't know if you caught what I read at the end there, the last verse. Um, I guess I, did I put verse 20? I didn't put 21. There is one more verse leaving, uh, 21. I left it out, I think. Or was it on the, it was on the board. Yeah, I, I didn't have it on my notes. But anyway, it's, he, and it says that he ended up serving till King Cyrus. From Nebuchadnezzar to Cyrus, those are four different kings that served. So as the next king came along, Daniel, was rehired. And you know how it is. We've seen, we change, quote unquote, our kings every four years and they fire about half the staff, if not 75% when they go, especially when the party, parties change hands. But Daniel was good enough from 62 years, he served in a very high capacity job of advising the ruler at, at that time, really, of the most powerful empire on the face of the earth. And he served, he had longevity, he served for 62 years. What, what am I trying to say is this, that God cannot not only lift you, he can also sustain you. And God can lift you above your peers. It should be for those that know their God, as Daniel says, if we are faithful to him, if we're closer to him, you would find that God will show you things. God will make you stand out. People around him, the king, he knew that he liked these guys. He knew there was something different about these four that they didn't compare with everybody else. What he didn't know is that what made them different. Because still, he still grouped them with the magicians and all the different ones that came in and gave him phony um, uh, um, uh, advice and their, or demonic advice, if you would. And each one of um, the kings in the times that he sad had an opportunity to have an encounter with God. If you read the whole story. You're like, man, how, these kings, aren't they stupid? Because the last one figured out that there was a God. And they're still worshiping idols. He would come back and build a tower and says, you need to worship this. And Daniel says, no, I can't do that. Well, you remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who refused to bow. They get thrown into the lake of, uh, into the, uh, fire, you know, that was going and it shows, Jesus shows up there and they hang out and have a small group meeting. <laughs> uh, you know, and the king says, oh my goodness, we need to worship that God. So you see that the Israelites, even though they were taken in, into captivity, which was not a good thing for them, God was using that as an opportunity to bring witness to the non-believers. And oftentimes, God will do the same thing for us. Sometimes we will go through things that are difficult for us. We will go through things, I was like, God, if I had to pick, this is not what I would pick for my life. But God will use even our own difficulties so that he can make a witness through us to the non-believing world. So those people would have never had any opportunity to have an encounter or even have a little bit of knowledge 
that there was a God in heaven. That's what Nebuchadnezzar said when Daniel told him his dream. And he promoted Daniel. In that story, before I make my points, when the king was so impressed by Daniel, Daniel was very humble. He immediately turned back and told the king, let me tell you this. I'm not better than any of the other people. Don't get this wrong. I'm not better. It's not because I'm better than anybody. And he turned everything around and gave glory to God. Here's where sometimes we go wrong as believers, as witnesses out there. Sometimes when God begins to bless our lives and things look good in our lives, we're not making the stupid decisions we used to make because God's word is guiding us. And then we look at the people out there that are not being guided by the word. And then we interpret that they are worse. Nobody is. We were all created equal. Didn't Martin Luther King say that and tomorrow we celebrate him? That all men are created equal. Believers, non-believers alike. We're all created by the image of God. And so we are not better. We just happen to accept the grace. And it's the grace that sustains us. So with that grace, that's how we witness. Because Daniel went back and says, hey, don't lift me up because I'm not better than any of them. It's not because of me. It's because of him. It's because of the one I know. It's the one I'm close to. And you know he knew he's God. That's how he would make such a statement in 1132. That those that know their God. Things might be crazy. The world might be falling apart. Everything might be turning upside down. But those that know their God. Everybody seems to be freaking out on how the world's going. But those that know their God. They are strong. And they shall do great things. They shall do mighty exploits. There is no limit to those who know. So the best thing we can do is to pursue him. Is The best thing we can do is to get closer. So that like Daniel, when those moment calls, we don't have to spend 40 hours, 40 days of prayer. No, we've been in prayer all our lives. We can just go back to seek clarity. God, what do you think about this situation? Oh, this happened, God. What's your thought? When you have the relationship, when you're closer, he will show up. The Bible says that we will seek him and we will find him if we seek him with all our hearts. How do we get closer? I think the story kind of reveals a few things to us that we can learn on, how, on Daniel's relationship. Um, go to verse 8. It says, But Daniel was determined not to defile himself. He was determined not to defile himself. When they were brought all this food, I bet you there was probably good food like sushi there. It was an opportunity, man, to indulge. It was an opportunity to eat, to eat good. Was, you know. But why did he not want to eat those food? It's not that he didn't want the food. 
being a Jew, so many of the things that were on that table, for one, for sure, offered to idols. Two, there are many forbidden foods. And he goes, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deny my God. I'm not gonna, you know, in his heart he knows that. The king doesn't, has no idea that that's what he's thinking. He could have been kicked out of the job to begin with, kicked out of the program, or even worse off, killed. He even put somebody else's life in, at a risk. But what he was determining is his God was always first. To, put God, to, 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 to get closer to God, and as you, we walk through this year, as you pursue to get closer to Him, the first thing has to be the first thing. And the first thing is always putting God first in your life. What does that even mean? Putting God first. I think it's something that's lived out. Because Daniel knew that what was at stake. But he wasn't going to defile himself because he knew the word of God. He understood what was coming. He understood what the word of God put. And he wasn't going to go against the Lord. Even in the middle of all that. To me, that's pretty remarkable. It shows that he had a good foundation in his life. He shows that he... God wasn't something, or let me put it in our times. Church was not something he did. Something he belonged to. God was not a part of his life. God was his life. So putting God first in our lives, it changes how we think even about our relationship. He's not one among many gods. He's God alone. It's not about like he's one and there's two, three, four, five. No, no, no. He's on a whole class by himself. One of the the, uh, dynamics that's been going on, I'm going to say it because it's just the truth of what's happening. All across the country, I've been in many pastors' meetings, many conferences I'm talking, and and the pastors are saying everywhere there's been a shift in our society over the last decade or so of believers not fellowshipping and not coming to church. And not condemning, if you have been missing, this is 2018. 17 is all gone. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is a conversation that pastors are having everywhere. And one of the things that they've been saying is, um, many, so as they're looking at data and trying to say, what is the phenomenon? Believers, they, they, and some of the things that are coming, they're saying we're going to church as an event. It's changed. It was like it's something we go to. Like I go to the movie, I go to what? So some event that will come that's better, I will miss it for that. But we're not building the foundation of saying, okay, this is a core. This is a core. This is, what we, this is who we are. No, I'm not saying you can miss church for anything. You could. But, but as I said, there's been a tremendous, tremendous, like unprecedented in the last 10 years all across North America. And, uh, and, and, and so one pastor... A couple of weeks ago, I talked about how, because one of the reasons we're saying is that because our society is becoming very secularized. And so people 
philosophies on the words really changing. They're not really grounded in the truth. And so, and, and, and one, one of the places that get blamed is the academic system. It's like they, they go to college and they change. But one of the pastors did this research and said, actually, the kids are not getting secularized at school. They're starting to be secularized at home. Because parents, we're parenting differently. We're not, we're not, not just teaching, but we're not leaving it to demonstrate. Because the kids will hear what we say, but they will hear even more what we do. And so they're making those sound judgments early in life. I know this is important. God is first, unless, of course, this happens in God's second. Now, we will never say that. Man, if you would say that, I mean, I mean you come here, we need, you need some prayer, seriously. But we would not be saying that. But our kids are watching our every move. And then they're adapting that. I want to challenge us. Not just challenge. I want to challenge you because I'm challenging myself in that. To reaffirm that commitment to God. That you're always first. I don't even think twice about. And you see that principle. When God says that you've known God. When you get to know him. He's first in everything. That's why we talk about when we're giving. What's tithe? It's not 10% of your income. It's the first 10% of your income. That's what's holy. You understand that? I have 10 bucks, all in one dollar bills. I can pick any of the dollars, and the value, the, the tender value is the same, right? But God says, no, I know it's the same. The spending ability, spending power, purchasing power is the same. But I don't want the middle five. I don't want the back five. I want the first five. The first dollar, I guess. I was talking once. I don't know. My image in my mind was looking at five dollar bills, so... That's better, though, too, than one dollar bill. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's kind of what God was saying. Okay, we have found this. That's why Jesus said this. He's talking to his disciples, and he's telling them how to prioritize their lives. He says, God, I want you to tell you that God, your Father, loves you. And he tells them about how God is so observant and he knows every detail about our lives. And he breaks it down to a spiral. He says, God, who, who feeds the birds? Who tells the birds what to do? And he's trying to tell us how absolutely, because he's omniscient. I mean, you could go to the smallest things in life, to the largest things in life, and it will blow your mind and remind you how small and insignificant everything we look at is. But he says, Jesus, God knows every detail. And he says, you are of more importance to God than anything out there that he's put. But he says to his disciples, here's how you want to prioritize your life. You need to, and, and, don't, and he says, don't be like the non-believers who go around worrying about what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what they're going to wear. He says, I says, unbelievers worry about this stuff. But you need to live a different life. And here's how you need to think. You need to put, you need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that you need will be added to you. So you're not chasing these things. Guess what? If you're chasing God, these things will be chasing you. 
got a little quiet. But that's the truth, people. Getting closer is to start changing priorities in our lives and determining what is the real thing. And the real thing is really putting God first in everything in my life. Putting God first in, in the way I live. Putting God first in my career. Putting God first in my business, in my marriage. Putting God first in everything. And when you do, you never lose. You actually have everything to gain. Second thing that helps us get closer. Same verse as I continue to read. He says, he, uh, I think verse 9, he says, he, he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat this unacceptable food. As I said earlier, that he recognized that some of the food that's been brought, or some of the platter that's been brought to the table goes against what would be acceptable as a true worshiper and a true Jewish worshiper, right? So, so the second point that I want to make is that, that helps us get closer is really becoming true worshipers. Come on, true worshipers. We can be worshipers by tradition. We can be worshipers out of motion. We can be worshipers because we know it. We know it's the right thing to do. But Jesus said that the Lord is searching the earth and he's looking for those worshipers who will worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. When you become a true worshiper, in fact, you don't need anyone to motivate you to worship. Because worship is not just something you do. Worship is a lifestyle that you've adapted. You worship God in your kitchen. You worship God in the car. You worship God with everything you do. So when we gather together as a time of worship, thank God. How many appreciate God for our worship team? And I mean, they work hard. They were here this morning early. Some of them were here late last night. You know, so they practiced. Let's appreciate our worship team, all of them, right now. Thank you. Thank you. They do more. At best, their job is not to motivate us to worship God. They might lead us into song. They might lead us into worship. But we should come in the house of God ready to worship. I know you might have had a fight. It's like, are we going to church today? This has been five weeks now. But forget all that. You're here. That's awesome. Thanks for being here. Get early. Stop praying. Don't get anybody to, 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 to motivate you. Say, we have a short period of time that we get to worship together. Use that time. Use the most of it. And say, don't cut God short on the praise that's due to his name. Don't cut God short on the worship that's due to his name. I'm going to give you all. It's an attitude. I remember there was a time when this was really nurtured in my heart. As a young man in Nairobi, we are part of this church, and uh, uh, we, were, we met at a soccer stadium. I've said this story before. Uh, some, some of you might remember it, but I'm going to say it today. Um, uh, <clears throat> and this church, we met at a soccer stadium. We did not have a, a, a building um, to meet in. And so they'll have, they'll have um, soccer matches the night before, um, uh, people will be drinking. Of course, they do a lot of that during soccer games. And uh, they'll be, and we'll come early in the morning, we'll clean up, we'll set up the stage, and we will have worship. And so I, I had this nice suit that I liked, light color, 
and it was in some slime area, so it was not, uh, things, the roads were not paved, it was kind of dusty and all that. And, um, and, and I had taken it to the dry cleanliness, it was sharp, I'm excited, I'm going to church with my Sunday best. <laughs> and the worship is going on. Amen, the Spirit of God was moving in the service in such a, such a beautiful way. And as I'm worshiping, I feel this urge in my heart to, to bow down and kneel in worship, in humility. And as I'm going down, you know, so I'm lost in worship. But I'm feeling, man, you know, have you ever worshiped where you think, I can't, I can't say it enough? God, you, you're amazing. You don't, you just like want to go. It's like, it's in, sometimes it's indescribable. It's always indescribable. When you start get to the place where you lost words, you know you're hitting it. And I feel this will be incomplete today. What I feel about how thankful I am to go be incomplete by me standing here. Because I'm so humble. I want to bow at his feet and worship him. And then I remember, in my nursery, and I was broke. I'm thinking, hey, it costs a lot to take the dry cleaners. And the Lord says, so that, that, it was just like one of those. He doesn't say a lot. He just said that. And I remember just falling down on my knees in that dirty, muddy stadium. And it's there's something that happened in my heart that morning. My spirit, I was overwhelmed with this unspeakable I can't even describe the amount of joy that was flooded my heart and my soul. But tears were running down my, my eyes. My shirt was wet out of tears. And there was tears of sorrow. There were tears of joy. I met the Lord in a worship, in a worship service like I'd never had in my whole life. And it changed completely how I looked at worship. It changed completely how I worship. And I tell you, I've never stopped worshiping. And as I'm bowing down right now, I feel his presence already. And my prayer life started changing a lot. Because he used to go to God God in prayer. And there's nothing wrong about asking God for things because he says to ask. But true worshipers are after Seeking Him, getting to know Him. Like Tommy Tenney in '97, he wrote a book and talked about how it was called God Chases. And the whole premise was many times when you go to prayer, we always think of coming to prayer as a place of need. And so what we seek is what He defined seeking God's hand. And we want God's hand because God's hand represents blessing. So I need finances in my life. I want his blessing in my bank account. I need healing. I need his hand to touch me in the place where I'm suffering. I need freedom. I need his blessing. So it says many times our prayers are geared in a sense towards seeking God's hand. I says, but actually a true worshiper is not really after his hand after his face because the face talks of relationship he says I want to know you 
I am married to an amazing woman and I never told her this and I'm just embarrassing her. She does a lot for me. Blesses my life. I'm uh, beyond measure. But if I was in her life for what she gives me and she fell the last 15 and a half, 60, almost 16 years, well, 15 and a half years, all I wanted from her is what she gives me and not her. How many know that our relationship is very different? It's about the person. It's about the relationship. Now in our marriage, it's give and take and all that. But it's not about the give and take as much as it is the relationship. And true worshipers, they recognize that. And what they pursue when they come to God, whether it's in a, your private closet or it's in a congregation of worship, it's not, worship is not for me. Make no mistake, it does a lot for me. But worship is about the one we worship. So when I come, Lord, I want to know you. I want to seek your face. I want to get closer to you, God. I don't care for all these things, the stuff that I, when I come here, the stuff in my life that I want to fix. That's not really why I worship God. I worship because, God, I want to get closer. I want to know you. I want to see your face. And that's a heart that he says, I will respond to that heart. And when we get to him and we get to that place of worship, guess what? His hands are there too because he already knows what we need before we say a word. You find him. You get to know him. All the other things fall in line. Daniel, 62-year career. I don't know, you know, people get a silver reborn or whatever, a golden star. I don't know what you do for 62 years at the same job and you've done it well. I don't know what he got. He was very successful at what he did. But one of the things that he credits most is not those who know about their God or those who know the 10 steps of the best answered prayers in the world. It's those that know their God. To seek him and to know him. You get closer. Worship helps you get to that place. Becoming a true worshiper helps you get to that place. And you'll be amazed the answers that God will bring in your life. You could be in the middle of the darkest place in your life. You could be facing the biggest mountain in your life. But true worship allows you to arise to the level of his presence. And all of a sudden, every mountain on earth begins to look very, very small. Because you are sitting at his feet. Solutions come. Business ideas are unfolded. Your mind is sharpened. He says here that these four young men had an unusual aptitude in learning. I'm telling you, this is, we're talking career here. These guys were smart and they did great. Not because that they were smart. And Daniel did make sure that I'm not smarter than any of them. It's because of who I know, who I spend time with. And the last thing that we can do to get us closer is to eat right. Uh, yeah, I said that. Eat right. I mean, it's January. How many are trying to eat right? They go, they look at the food and they say, man, he talks to the guys. 
It's like, any, is there any way you could exempt me from this exotic food? I bet you it was good food. I bet you it tasted good. Eating real good in the neighborhood. But he goes, it's just, it's just, but you don't know this guy. He's the one who commanded you guys to eat this food. He'll have me beheaded if you looked unhealthier than the other. Let's, 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 let's cut a deal here. The out of the deal. I don't know why. <laughs> he says, just do 10. 10 days. Let's try it out. I don't want to get anybody in trouble here. But let's try it out for 10 days. We're going to eat vegetables. Not drinking pop. We're not going to drink the wine. We're going to drink all, any of those stuff. We'll just drink water. No coffee. I would have said added coffee in there, by the way. <laughs> and then you judge how we look after those things. And you, if, if, if we look horrible, then... Uh, and it says, after 10 days, a guy looked at him and says, Man, you guys looked better than the other guys. And so you got your deal. And so they allowed the guys for those three years that they were going through this program to eat. And the Bible says that these guys had a different level. They went after they graduated, they go to the king, and the king looks at all of them. And those four stand out above, not just in how they looked, their mind was sharp. And they give him favor. Well, what the king didn't know is that God, they got closer to someone. They got closer to their creator, the one who created them, the one who understands their thoughts even before they think it. They got closer to him. You get closer, God will show you. He wants to direct your life. He wants to show you your path. You don't want to, don't create things for yourself. Follow his lead. Don't try to create. Don't try to lift yourself up. God will show you when you need to step up. You be faithful in seeking him and he will show you. He'll show you when to make the right moves, when to stop. Don't try to get ahead so fast. God will get you ahead because he does make all things beautiful in his time. What does the eating represent? It represents the word of God. The word of God is our food, is our nourishment. There's so many phony ideas of life out there. Do you know that this is the age of knowledge? In fact, another of Daniel's prophecy concerning the last days. The last one is talking in Daniel chapter 10. It's talking about there will be an increase of knowledge. There is no doubt in my mind that we live in that age. I mean, you, right now, you could Google just about anything in seconds and tell me that was not even available 20 years ago. So there's an increase in knowledge. But in the increase of knowledge, there's so many diets out there, I'm talking spiritual, spiritually speaking, that are unhealthy for you. You've got to be grounded in the Word of God, in sound doctrine. I mean, that's why we make an ex. We, we preach the word. We read the Bible here. And we don't try to make it twist and work for us. Because there are people out there. But the Bible says it should be that. But there are many believers that are not in the word. 
They're not steadily eating the word. They're not eating the right diet for their lives. They're not having the word of God spoken to them. They get, I'm sounding condemning, but I'm going to tell you, if you want to get closer, you get closer by his word. You keep eating the right things. You eat the wrong things, wrong outcomes will come into your life. You feed yourself negativity. Negativity, you know, depression will come out. There's more depression these days than I've ever seen in my short year of life, uh, experience in life. It's like, I think there's an experience. Depression, and if you're suffering from it, I'm not making fun of it, but I think there's a dynamic going on in the world today. And we need to look at it head on and feed it the right diet. I remember, and here's the thing, eating the right diet one day doesn't change your life. We all know that. So if it's like, oh man, I started reading the word, I started praying, I started getting closer, but I'm still feeling this way. It's like, come on, don't stop. Keep on keeping on. I remember on Friday, I was in my office, I've been cutting sugar out of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for your help. Some of you saw my post on Facebook. And I walked out to do something, came back, and my Bible is on my desk. And there's a nice homemade cinnamon roll sitting there. I'm thinking, God, it's in my Bible, you know. (laughs) Is this God or is this the devil, you know? And I sat down there. I'm walking my way. I'm looking at it. I'm going back. I did eat it, by the way. It was the only time I repented after that. But, but you know, it's amazing though how we could get so caught up with all the other things that would be disruptive to us because our minds are being constantly fed. Um, I mean, words. Words are a diet. And we're getting bombarded through media sources and what not? And we are filling our souls. And uh, I re- really believe the reason our nation feels divided is because of what we are eating. We're being fed constant diet with people. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. What we know is that they want us to hear this and to see this. And man, people are pitting against each other. People in the same family, friends are parting away because we're getting fed the wrong things. I said it's time to go back to the proper diet. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I say it's time for believers to kind of look at that stuff and the diet that's being dished out by the people of the world and say, King, I'm sorry, I know that's what's going on in the world, but I'm not going to eat that stuff because I have better meals. And I trust me, you go three years of that and eating the right diet, you will look better than the world out there. You will have more joy than the world out there. You will have more spirit than the world out there. You have more faith to conquer the mountain. You keep feeding your mind and yourself what's being dished out to the world. You'll go depressed, you'll get angry, you'll get, you'll start looking at people differently that think differently. And yet, God's given us, and Daniel knew, God has given us a diet that we can feed off. You get closer, it's time to get back to his words. Get back to the ABCs. Read your Bible, pray every day. Trust me, it was hard for me to cut sugar. I like sweet things. And all of these things that you try, it's like, man, it's like I don't appreciate my coffee without it being sweet. 
Somebody say amen. <laughs> but I found that when I go longer, away from it is that it says I start getting used to it. And eventually when I try the shoes, it's like, how did I get, why did I like that that much? How many know, how many know that what I'm saying is so true? Maybe try that. It's the same with the word. I may believe us all the time. So I'm reading the Bible. I don't quite get it. I'm not going to say, you know. It's like, well, just keep getting longer. Asking the Holy Spirit, help me, Lord. Show me something I need to learn. As you go longer, you begin to develop the right taste. And not only becomes the word, not only becomes just the word that you learn in understanding, is what Paul says, I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge comes to you. You're reading the words like, I read that before, but... Wow, now I get it. Because you've gone longer. You're getting closer and now he's revealing to you your word. How many are ready to get closer in 2018? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord glory and praise. Amen.